All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. That's The Underscore Misfit Nation. So you'll stay up on all our episodes as they release while also getting to hear the stories of our amazing guests. Speaking of guests, after going from fat to fit, our next guest built a 15,000 square foot gym in 2002. Wrote a book, If Your Body Were a Car, Would You Treat It That Way? He entered his first triathlon in 2005 and fell in love with the sport. In November of 2015, at the Ultraman World Championships, he crashed his bike at nearly 70 miles per hour, kilometers per hour, breaking his shoulder, arm, ribs, and skull. He nearly died that day and has made a remarkable recovery and made an award-winning documentary, Living the Warrior's Code. So without further ado, let's welcome Scott McDermott to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Scott. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Great to be here. That's great that uh, we were able to connect and uh, get this thing going. I know your story is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, both both journeys from uh, your original journey from going fat to, to fit and then the comeback. Don't call it a comeback. You've been here for years, you know, and you, you were able to do it after a horrific crash. I mean, I know I've never crashed at that many miles per hour on a bike. I've crashed at slower speeds and it hurts. And obviously you hurt a lot at 70 kilometers per hour and you're able to come back. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad for your family. And everyone that we're you're still here with us. So yeah. if you want to fill in some of the blanks that I didn't have, if you want to throw in some stuff from as far back as you want to to where we are now, then we'll just start chatting. Sure, man. Yeah, like there's lots of different stories we could tell. Um, you know, I was in architecture for 13 years wow. and I was good at the career, but I didn't love it. Um, but it was that kind of thing where you know, I was in high school and I was my your guidance counselor was like, Oh, you should do this. You have all these aptitudes. I'm like, oh, okay. So I when in architecture, but uh, sitting still at a desk all the time, like I have ADHD and I'm like, just, I was always getting in trouble for getting up out of my desk or talking, or I always wanted music playing. Like it was, it was difficult. And um, I ended up getting better and better at it. And I realized that I really had to have big ignorant deadlines to keep myself hyper-focused, but sitting at a desk all the time, I just got fat and I ended up having all kinds of problems, like health problems from sitting like hundred hours a week. And I wasn't taking care of myself. And I just, I ate garbage. I did not know how to feed my body. I had people say they got a sweet tooth. I say, I've got 32 of them. So, right. I just, I had ice cream for dessert every night. And sometimes I'd have fruit loops or mini wheats for breakfast. I didn't know what I was doing. It was in my twenties. And yeah, when I got 29 and was just having all kinds of health problems and finally a doctor just, slow down enough to stop. They kept sending me to specialists and nothing was getting figured out. And he finally slowed down and asked me a few questions and realized he's like, kid, you got to learn to eat right and de-stress and you got to get some sleep and you need to exercise and drink water. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. So I got that figured out. And then I went to a personal development course, kind of a Tony Robbins sort of a thing. And you, know, you walk on fire and stuff and you're like, wait, what are you doing with your life, dude? Stop <laughs> it. And so I came back and quit two weeks before I was an associate partner in the firm. I, I let it go and they were a bit shocked, but I knew I had fallen in love with being a personal trainer and helping people on with fitness and nutrition. And I just, I'd made such a profound change. I dropped 40 pounds of fat, put on 18 pounds of muscle and, you know, I had the six pack and, and, and energy and nothing hurt anymore. And I just was living this great life and I just wanted to share that. So I started working in a couple of gyms as a trainer and I just loved it. And I realized that, 
if I wanted to really make my way in the world in that environment, I needed to own the gym. I couldn't just be a trainer. And uh, so I did that. I did that for 18 years. It was awesome. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's a long period too. 13 yeah. years in ac- uh, architecture and then 18 years as a PT. That's awesome. Yeah. I may or may not be 53 this year. <laughs> <laughs> there were concurrent years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's how I did it all at the same time to be efficient. So uh, that's how it all works these days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. But while I was running the gym, uh, you know, I was, I, I was in a, kind of the, the fitness world and functional training and, and bodybuilding and not huge into bodybuilding, but huge into nutrition and, and coaching people and how to drop fat and stuff. And it was great. But then personally, I needed a challenge and there was this half Ironman triathlon in town. I thought, geez, I wonder if I could finish one of those. Like I can, I can put off drowning. Like I couldn't, I'd never swam laps or anything. I'd never swam in a lake other than when you fall down in the water skis and you got to wait for them to come and get you. Like I, you know, I could not drown. So I thought, okay, well, that's all right. And I could ride that crap out of a spin bike for an hour. How different could it be? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I used to run back in high school and stuff. And then I'd actually, I broke my back in high school in a gymnastics accident in, uh, in gym class. And, uh, so I was told I would never run again, but my back was pretty healed and I was back to fit again. I thought, I think I can, I think I'm healed enough to try running. I thought, I'll give this triathlon thing a try. And I just fell in love with it. Like, what a great sport. Like, the discipline and the the challenge. And I did my first half Ironman triathlon, and I was eighth in my age group. And I got a roll-down spot for full Ironman Canada five weeks later. And I went and did that. And I I placed in the top, I don't know, 20% or something, the sub-12-hour Ironman. And I was just hooked, just 100% hooked. This is what I wanted to do got the bug right there and you and you ran with it i totally did yeah yeah and i had done i think i was training for my seventh iron man and i was having coffee with a friend not that i drink coffee but that's what you have to call it um no matter what you drink you have to you have <laughs> coffee even if you don't drink coffee you're having a coffee right and i was talking with cheryl and her friend nick mallet had come by for a visit and he's a he's a really great australian guy and um, he's like, my, you gotta give, you gotta give Ultraman a try. And I was like, shut up. Those guys are nuts. Like Ultraman's ridiculous. That is just nuts. And he's like, ah, think about it. I won't do his accent. Um, he said, think about it. Like once you get swimming, you get into a groove. Like if there was a kayak following you and it fed you once in a while, you could swim for 10 K six miles. And I was like, that's a bloody long swim, but all right, I gotcha. And he's like, and you're a good cyclist. Cause it turns out I was good at cycling. He's like, you know, the first day is a 90 mile ride, 145 K. And then the second day is a 190 K 190 mile ride, 275 K. And, um, it's a 12 hour cutoff, but it's doable if you hustle. And I was like, yeah, but day three is a double marathon, 52 miles, 84 K. Like, I'm like, that's, that's just wrong. Like after two full days of 12 hours of killing it, you're going to run a double marathon. He goes, yeah, but think about it. He says, you're capable of a 320 marathon. You run a slow four-hour marathon. You got six hours to walk another one. You got eight hours to walk another one. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. And I signed up the next week for Ultraman Canada and trained like a freak for a year. And I was sixth overall. And I was 20 minutes from second place. And I was just like, okay, this is my new sport. And, um, yeah, I went to the World Championships in 2013. and had a good race, was 21st overall in the world. And I thought, wow, this is wicked. I can't wait to come back and 
I'm going to do this again, but it's expensive to do Ultraman. There's, you know, it, it costs a lot to get, take you and your crew and your family to Hawaii for a couple, three weeks. And um, so it took me two years to get to circle back to it. So I went back in 2015 with the goal of trying to be top five and everything was looking that way. Like I was feeling good and racing hard and, and uh, yeah, apparently there was algae on the bridge deck um, at 45 miles an hour. And I don't remember that. I woke up three days later in the brain trauma unit on another island. in Oahu. Wow. Yeah, that didn't quite go to plan. So no, not at all. That, that's a that's horrific when a, a, you see even motorcycles when they hit that wet spot or when people push that grass out into the road instead of sweeping it up. You know someone's going to hit it, and that motorcycle will hit it or a bicyclist will hit it and fall. But having that that wet algae on there that had to be just just like going on ice with a bicycle. Yeah, and it's it's pretty amazing. You know, the human body is quite the thing. My, I always say my hard drive stopped recording because I don't remember the crash, which is just the biggest blessing. Um, but we know what happened. Like kinetically, we know that my, my front tire slid out to the right because uh, you could tell I put my hand down because I sprained my fingers. I sprained my wrist. I broke my left arm in half. I shattered my left shoulder. I broke five ribs on my left side. And then I started to flip and I smashed my right knee and tore a big chunk of cartilage out of it. And, uh, and as I flipped my helmet twisted, and then I somehow must have spun around backwards and smashed my skull into the concrete curb. And I, I broke the back of my skull open and exposing my brain. And that wasn't good. I kind of peeled a bunch of skin off the side of my face. And yeah, it was, it was a thing. You became a case study for neurosurgeons and all the other parts that they had to fix at one time there in that hospital. So I'm sure they talk about you in their in their doctor stories now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was something else. And it was tough too, because in the hospital, they were pretty worried about my brain injury and stuff more than the other things. So they didn't notice my knee was smashed and they, they figured, well, your, your clavicle, your shoulder will heal. And they didn't x-ray far enough up to catch that my arm was broken in half. My radius was in three pieces. So we didn't discover that till 13 days later when I got back to Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that sucked. <laughs> a, whole new, a whole new journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to tell you. Yeah, so they put metal pieces in and and then they, uh, you know, was, I did a CAT scan and an MRI and then a deep level MRI and had a neurologist and I did hyperbaric oxygen therapy for three months and I had to learn to redo some stuff. Like I couldn't really run or walk without stumbling and I, you know, I couldn't remember things. I couldn't remember people's names and people that I'd known 15 years, I couldn't remember their name. It was, it was a bit of a journey. That was, that was a long haul. How long did it take you to almost come back to a normal spot? So it was about a year and a half, two years before I wasn't stumbling when I ran. And um, I did Ultraman, I did Ironman Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in 2017. That was my comeback race. And it was, I think I was six or seven weeks off of knee surgery. Um, but I just, I had to get back to racing because it's so hard when that's your life. And then all of a sudden you don't do it anymore. And I really wanted to get back to Ultraman. Like the second I woke up and was conscious again in the hospital, I knew I wanted to get back to racing. Like it was never a question that I would come back and finish that goal. And so I had to do a pre-qualifier Ironman in order to apply for the Ultraman world championships. Cause they only choose 40 people in the world. You can't just pay a race fee and go, you have to be accepted and you have to prove your ability. So I knew I had to finish an Ironman under 14 hours, which is fairly attainable usually. Um, but you know, I was 30 pounds overweight all of a sudden, cause I, 
I could hardly train for two years. And I, if I'm honest, I was eating like a moron. Um, <laughs> felt sorry for myself and all that garbage, but um, not entirely, but I didn't really feel sorry for myself too badly, but I wasn't eating well. I was, uh, you know, I got, I started drinking coffee all the time. Cat, like I was drinking coffee, cafe mochas because I don't like coffee, but I was, so I was drinking a hot chocolate with coffee in it because that was the only way my brain would work for a while. Um, that was actually a suggestion of the neurologist was to start drinking coffee, which I'd never drank coffee in my life. And all of a sudden I get a brain injury and I start drinking coffee, but it, it, it helped me to think. So right. it, it got me through a tough zone, but yeah, by the time I got to the 2018, I was relatively normal. I still couldn't lift my left arm above, above my head, but it was good enough that I could swim and I could hold onto a bike. And so then once I had completed Ultraman World Championships in 2018, which was a phenomenal race, super difficult. And of course, we documented the whole thing. So it's a really fun, family-friendly, 82-minute award-winning documentary, which I'm really proud of the guy that made the film, Drew Kenworthy. He did just an unbelievable job of the movie. And um, we've won a couple of awards with it and stuff. So I'm really proud of what he accomplished with the movie. And once that was done, though, I was like, okay, I need to legit get fixed like i need to really focus on being a hundred percent so then it was another year of really painful physiotherapy to stretch my shoulder back open so that it would function to full range and yeah i'm, pl I'm proud to say that it actually took about a year and a half and i've got full range of motion on my shoulder i can do unassisted pull-ups now and i can my shoulder does all the things it can do all the things it's made to do so that yeah that's good so by yeah. the time you by the time you got fully healed and the whole world shut down, yeah, that wasn't my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> As you're about to have your comeback song, the world yeah, said, well, you know, I had my I had my comeback break. in 2018, which was good, yeah. Right. But then I was signed up to go back to Iron Man in 2020 and canceled, and I was going to go back to Ultraman and canceled, and so I was like, all right, we'll do it in 2021 and canceled and canceled. So, you know, and I had to shut down my gym. In 2020, oh, wow. we, we lost the whole thing and that's just gone. So I'm sure that was, that was a hard, a hard thing to do after that long, having it, uh, being your baby there for 18 years, it's a long time to have something then have to shut it down. Yeah. When they gave the provincial mandate on March 17th, St. Patrick's day, as it happened to be, uh, when they said all gyms have to shut down, you know, wow. 14 days to flatten the curve. Um, yeah. Okay. 730 yeah right well and you know like we got to be mindful of how we say things because i think not everybody agrees with everybody but i had already started doing some research on the virus and i was like this doesn't seem to be like what they're saying like the numbers don't the data doesn't match the model something's funny here i knew that right away and i thought this isn't 14 days i thought i don't even think this is three months back in March of 2020. And at first we were going to dig in. We're going to do online programs and videos and we're going to do all this stuff. And then I just started doing the math. And I was like, you know, even if this is unicorn fairy dust successful, like even if we have like <laughs> the most ridiculous number of people signing up to, to work out at home, it fails. We can't keep a 15,000 square foot building empty right. with right. no members. Like that just doesn't work ever. And so it took me about 48 hours to come to that conclusion. And I just knew like a cellular decision, like there's no debate. It's like, nope, this is done. 
And wow. I kind of ugly balled till two in the morning, but I knew it was the right, it was the right decision. Right. And yeah. I mean, it was, the, yeah, I, it was the professional decision, I think too, at that time. It was, it, it was, sometimes you got to let go of what you want and realize what's actually happening. And right. that's what was actually happening. And you know what? Best decision I ever made. Like, do I miss all the people? Yeah. Do I miss like I had 27 staff and 800 members and just some of the most phenomenal people in the world. And I, do I miss that part? Yeah, I do. But it would have been, I would have lost my house if we'd have tried to hang on. Well, I lost everything because there's no chance. You like six, eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, 18, 24 months. That doesn't, that's not a thing. So I'm glad, I'm glad I did it. And you know what? Now I get to, I coach people out of my home. I've got a 21 day nutrition reset and a six week program. And I do, I do one-on-one coaching for endurance athletes and fitness clients. And I, I renovated my garage to be a gym and I'm, you know, I got a spot in the backyard where I do stuff and I'm actually coaching people now without all of the stress of a business. So it's actually phenomenal. So it kind of took a little bit, a little bit of that weight off your soul, shoulder of taking care of that large staff and that large building and appeasing yeah. the large number of, of clientele, even though that was like almost a family for you having them there. Now you so, get to do more of that one-on-one thing and see the results as you, as you work out with that person right there in your home, in the backyard. And as they yeah. go through your nutrition reset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like Monday, we just finished one. We finished the January one on Monday and you know, I wake up in the morning and there's 48 people telling me how much they love life again. <laughs> that just feels phenomenal. And when I was running a business, I didn't get to do that anymore. You can't, when you're running a business, you can't afford to be a trainer. That's a luxury. Now you have to do marketing and payroll and human resources and repairs and maintenance and advertising. And you got to pay taxes and deal with angry people. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, you don't get to do any of the fun stuff. So now I just get to do the fun stuff. I don't have any angry people. I mean, that's good. Not having angry people. That's always a great way to go through your day, week, month, year. Uh, Yeah without having a negative, uh, the negative vibe around or the cloud that comes around the business when negativity comes in there and having to deal with that. And of course, all the other things, the domino effect that happens from that. And I think uh, where you are now is probably much better for you and your family. It is. It's, it's amazing. I have a special needs son and I'm home with him all the time. Like I get him ready in the morning for school and I'm home when he gets off the bus and, you know, we, we play together more and I wouldn't trade that rich for anything. Uh, trade that time that's a great time to have yeah 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 you're not missing anything anymore that's awesome yeah it's fantastic so after the crash uh you're already you're already a motivated dude before the crash and then after they they told you you probably couldn't do stuff when you crashed that probably motivated you a little more to come back and that when you already said it as soon as you came out of it you, you knew you wanted to get back into it what mental changes did you have to come come to after the crash to keep yourself focused on uh, getting to that next race? Mm, that's a great question, Rich. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those want to bet kind of guys. <laughs> you can't do that. Want to bet? <laughs> I'm that guy, and and that comes that's honed from well my whole life of things not being easy, and I just just it's 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 a mindset, right? There's one of my favorite books is by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle Is the Way and stoic philosophy, right? Marcus Aurelius and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I just won't quit ever. And when it got to coming back to racing again, it really was just about being really clear about what I wanted. Like I really wanted to be obviously fit and healthy again. And I really wanted to get back to racing. 
And I just relentlessly pursued that. And every setback was like, all right, how do we fix it? All right, what do I got to do? Okay, how do I fix it? And when I was um, in 2017, there was two major setbacks too. Like in 2017, my run volume was starting to increase because I had, I had applied, uh, um, entered Ironman Coeur Idaho in the summer in August. And so when I was into January, February, March training and my run volume started to increase. And as soon as I got near kind of half marathon distance, my knee started telling me stories. And because that was undiagnosed, right? We knew there was a great, huge, big raspberry on it. It was a little tight, but we didn't, nobody ever diagnosed my knee because it just wasn't important. They were worried about my brain and I had one of the worst um, head injuries you can get. I had a diffuse axonal scarring with a hemorrhage to the frontal lobe, so bleeding on the brain. And I had a, a point impact to the base where the skull broke open, which affected my memory and um, and cognition and, and a few motor controls. And they weren't worried about my knee. It was still good enough kind of thing. But then what we found out every time I started to run past a certain time, my knee would swell up and it would just hurt to bloody hell and I could hardly walk. And so then I was going to physio and he would try a bunch of different things. And we started asking questions and I had booked an appointment with my doctor to get an MRI. MRI or yeah, I was think our ultrasound anyway, whatever. But in the meantime, I was down in the States for a conference and we were playing this game where the leader of the conference was close to Easter time and he would take a plastic Easter egg and there would be a chocolate in it and sometimes money. Um, And it'd be one, one, five, 10, 20 or a hundred dollar bill. And he would chuck him into the crowd and he whipped this egg into the crowd and I jumped for it. And this really big guy, because of course it's a fitness conference, some pretty healthy competitive people. And this big guy kind of sideswiped me and my right knee folded backwards. And there was this great ripping snap noise. And I just hit the deck and just a big cold sweat. And I'm like, I went into shock. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I could hardly walk. And so I went into the, to the hospital in the States and they checked it out and checked a couple of things. They said, well, you know, the integrity's there, but you're going to have to get this looked at when you get back to Canada. Cause of course, you know, even though you have insurance, it's, pretty expensive to do things in the States when you're a Canadian. So I got back home and got everything checked out. And it turns out during the crash, I had torn my MCL and took a big chunk out of my meniscus um, of the knee. And when it healed, because nobody was paying attention to it, those two things healed together with what's called a fibrous bridge. And so my, my MCL was healed linked to my cartilage zone in a big chunk of scar tissue. And when I would try to run too much, that would not work and it would swell and hurt. And when my knee folded backwards, it tore them free, which actually kind of saved me a surgery. Um, But it did line me up for the next surgery, which was to clean up the cartilage and tidy everything up in there. So I had that done in summer of 2017. And my knee talks to me when I run now, but it's, you know, I, I asked my, my um, orthopedic surgeon, my knee surgeon, I was like, Hey, so what's the deal with my knee? Like it, it gets pretty sore when I run a lot. And he's like, yeah, it's going to do that. Like <laughs> he said, basically you have a pothole in your knee. <laughs> so he's like, I could, I could take some cartilage from a dead body and grind it up with, with glue and paste. And I could fill the pothole, but it's not going to be slippery. Like cartilage is you're going to feel it every time your knee moves, it's going to hurt. And at some point, it will degenerate, break down and come loose. And then I'll have to give you an artificial knee. And I was like, all right, I'm good with a little pain. No problem. 
<laughs> it's going to be like arthritis if I put this glue in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. So that was kind of setback number one on the way to getting back to the world championships. And again, it was devastating when my knee came apart and I was, you know, um, well, I shouldn't say, you know, cause you don't know, I'm telling you, uh, that was a, that's a bad speaker's habit to say, you know, I think our pastor at the church says, you know, like 12 times a minute and I'm picking it up and I shouldn't, <laughs> but it would, that was devastating when I tore my knee up. It was really, cause training had been going so well and Ironman's getting closer. And so for six weeks, I couldn't run until knee surgery. And then I couldn't run for another four weeks. And then I only had six weeks to prep and it was hard, you know, you I said, you know, again, I fell into a bit of a gross funk and, you know, lived on Ben and Jerry's and gained a little weight and got frustrated and grumpy. And so I'm not, <laughs> nobody thinks I'm some sort of flawless superhero. That's not it at all. Like I struggle like everyone. And, but we got through that race in Coeur d'Alene. I was, you know, fat and uncomfortable, but I finished it and I got done under the time and I was able to apply for the worlds. And so then setback number two happened which was in 2018, I was at Arizona triathlon training camp in February. Everything's going well, training hard, feeling good, keeping up with some fast people, um, you know, an ex pro and a, and an amateur pro and a couple of really fast athletes. And we were running down a mountainside and coming around a corner, just close to the parking lot. We were basically almost done. And I still had that neurological problem where when my foot, landed there's a slight delay till when my brain knew where it was and oh, wow. we're only talking i don't know two hundredths of a millisecond but it's enough that you're a little stumbly right and i caught a toe and i tripped at full run and where i put my hands down i folded six fingers right backwards and i completely gloved and dislocated this one the, my uh, ring finger on my right hand wow. and i folded my my middle finger right back and dis semi dislocated it like undid the capsule a bit. So, uh, and my, my ring finger on my right hand was <laughs> two of the, the metacarpals were beside each other <laughs> instead oh of mine. <laughs> so, yeah. So then there I am back in the hospital in the States again, and had a really couple of great doctors. And there was actually happened to be a hand surgeon that was on call that day. And so he pulled my finger back in place and they sewed it all back together. And, but I couldn't, close my hands. I couldn't hold a bicycle. I couldn't swim. Yeah. So here we go again. Right. It's just like, what the heck? So that was, that was really hard. And that probably began one of the biggest pieces of the journey into this whole thing, which is digging into my psychology and going, well, why did you trip? Like, I know, okay, there's the neurological thing, but nobody else tripped. And why did you crash in Kona? No one else did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one other guy did Christian uh, American out of Oregon. He did crash on the slippery bridge too. different bridge it was rainy day. Um, and he broke a couple of ribs, punctured a lung and had a, um, a broken collarbone as well. He didn't get the big concussion part. So, I mean, okay. There was two out of 40 that crashed that day, but still, <laughs> why did I crash? And I started to look back on all my racing history and there were other times where I'd was about to really succeed and just did something really stupid or dumb or wrong, or it seemed like just bizarre. Like, well, why would that happen? Kind of thing. You st I started to notice a pattern and 
So I started to ask bigger questions and deeper questions. Like, well, why did that? Like, is that on purpose somehow? Like, am I afraid of succeeding just when things are going well? Everything goes sideways. What's going on? And that's when I found a man in Germany. I found him through a couple of Ultraman athletes that had used him before for the psychological part of the game. And then his name is Jarl, Inge Jarl Clausen. And we started working on the phone and trying to process some of the stuff around the crash and work on my breathing and expand my lungs and stuff through deep breathing techniques. And it was going really well, but I was on the phone at one point with, with Inga and he's like, yeah, I can't help you enough. You have to come to Germany. And I was like, I got to what? I got to come to Germany. He goes, yeah, I can change your life. You come to Germany. I was like, man, we're kind of broken stuff, but. I don't know. I talked to my wife and she's like, yeah, I think he's right. I think you got to go. And I went, I flew to Germany. I spent a week with Inga and he did some deep breathing stuff with me where, man, it was hard work, Rich. You wouldn't think breathing would be hard, but you lay on a table for an hour and breathe where you have to, I had to breathe out till there was nothing left and then breathe out a little more till there was nothing. And then just a little more, a little more, a little more, and then breathe in until I couldn't breathe in anymore and then breathe in more. And then he would grab my rib cage and lift and, and undo the scar tissue from the crash and, wow. and make me breathe a little deeper again, and then hold it and breathe out. And we did that for an hour every day, wow. sometimes twice a day. And it was hard. And then what he would also do was once we got, once I'd been breathing that way for about 30, 40 minutes, it felt like a year, but then he would start to, okay, while you keep breathing this certain way, and there was all these little movement techniques I had to do. I want you to picture the race. I want to picture the crash, what you were doing before the crash, what you were thinking, what was going on in your mind. And he just started to bring me back and process me through a bunch of emotions and stuff like that and asking different questions. And it was amazing. He kind of broke me down and got me to the point where we realized that there was a big piece of my racing that was to try and prove to people that I was good enough. Right. And that's fairly common in athletes. Um, I've learned. And we further figured out that when I was, when I was born, my mom was 17 and I was adopted out. And, but in the sixties, they take you away from your mom and they put you in the hospital until somebody picks you. And I had a hiatus hernia in my esophagus. So I was defective are not ready for adoption. So for six months, I was in a hospital. And I mean, nurses are great, but it's not your child. You've got shift changes and I'm busy. There's a code. I can't come and see you right now, even though you're, you're bawling. And so Inga's or Inga Jarl's thought was that as, a, as an infant, my brain hardwired that if you're in pain, help comes. People yeah. care. If you're in pain, people care. Right. And when he said that, I, I didn't like it, but I was like, holy crap, that has played out my whole life. Wow. Right. The number of like when I broke my back in high school, that's to get my parents' attention every time. Like I just, I could see it over and over and over again. And once I learned that, once I realized that on a deep level, I was able to let go of it. And everything's been better since. That's amazing. Yeah. The change of your mindset just by learning it, learning what was going on and 
having him uh, bring it out of you uh, through the, the torture of the breathing exercises and, and other things he did for you. I mean, that's just an amazing journey you were on the whole time from everything you did. Like you said, you all the way back to when you broke your back in high school and then yep. the crash and then these setbacks, everything was all for that same reason. And now you can do it for a whole other reason just to yeah. do it. That's right. Just because I love it. Right. Because it's fun. And when I raced in 2018, it was fun. I stopped and hugged my family. I enjoyed, I looked around at the scenery. Like it was still friggin' hard, but right. I enjoyed it. You know, I soaked it in. It was yeah, different. Uh, the first marathon I ran, I ran in honor of one of my soldiers who got killed in Afghanistan. So I went to his, near his hometown and I ran a marathon. I don't remember the marathon because I was running like on a cloud the whole time. Yeah. Just thinking about him and all the other dudes. And I came to finish. I saw, I was about mile 24 or five. And there's a, one of those, you know, the cameramen are out there. He took my picture. And as soon as he took my picture, my body cramped up. Mm. That's the first memory I have of the race when my body cramped up. And I was at mile 24, 25. I was, oh my God, what just happened? Yeah. So I, I tried to go as far as hard as I can. And my daughter had me a pickle in a bag and I drank that, ate that, and I made it to the finish. I said, I don't know what happened. I don't even remember half, most of the race, but we're here. We finished. Let's go on to the next. It was yeah. just the, the mindset of adrenaline pushed me through that whole thing. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would imagine, I'm not a psychologist. I would guess too, that for the first part of it, you were probably thinking about your, your, your war buddies more than anything. And you weren't thinking about yourself. And as soon as right. there was a photo, it became about you for a second, right? That yeah. mental shift. Yeah. Powerful yeah. stuff, man. Meta, your brain is, it's crazy powerful. It's an amazing, uh, amazing muscle. And uh, we all need to use it a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people have disconnected theirs is what I think. <laughs> they haven't done that press reboot thing yet. And oh, hopefully yeah. they do it soon. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So, so we're running out of time, but uh, diets, what's the best diet a person can do? Does it matter based on them or does it matter based on results? Oh, that's an excellent question, Rich. Um, you know, there's no such thing as bad food, but food is appropriate or inappropriate for your goals, right? People always ask, hey, does the keto diet work? Well, sure, every diet works. There's people living on garbage right now. Like you can live on anything. Is it the best way to go? Mm, I could have a long discussion about that where I disagree, but it's, does it work? Sure, everything works. All of it, eat what makes sense for you to a degree. So then we get into different layers. Now I have, certain preferences. I prefer real food, whole food, one ingredient foods. Um, I'm a big fan of all the things. Most diets are a pendulum, right? You can't have any carbs. You can't have any fat. You can't have any whatever. I'm not, you can't have any meat. You can't have any, like, I'm not a fan of pendulum diets. I'm right in the middle. I want all of the things I want. I want meat and potatoes and veggies and, and nuts and, and ice cream and tacos. Like, but right. I, I, I eat all the things and I'm, I'm 53, almost, almost 53. And you can see my abs and I'm fit and healthy. And I still train for Ironmans and Ultramans at this age. And I'm in good shape because I believe in caloric responsibility. Like it's like a budget, like your accounting budget. My body has a need for a certain number of calories per day. And if I eat like an idiot, I gain weight. And if I eat, to caloric responsibility. So I know for me, I need 2,350 calories a day to be on a good path. And I know that I need 175 grams of protein a day. 
That's what my body needs. And so I just pay attention to that. And then it doesn't matter what I choose from. Like if I really feel like having, I got ice cream last night. Great. I just put that into my budget because I can just make it fit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have ice cream. All right. That means for supper, I'm going to have a little bit less starch. So I won't have any sweet potato or whatever. I'll just have protein and veggies. And then that, then I can have some ice cream. And then at nighttime, I'll have, you know, my protein and fat serving or whatever. So I am a big fan of eating all of the foods you like, but in the amounts that make the most sense. Yeah. Just like a cash budget and the 21 day reset program that I do, that's for people that have been eating like an idiot for a while and they really need to square up. So the 21 day reset is three weeks of no grains, no dairy, no sugar. And that really cleans you down to basics. And then you reintroduce those things later and just double check. Hey, is my body like this? And some people have discovered it doesn't. They reintroduce dairy and they start backfiring and they're like, whoa, maybe that's not my deal. So right. yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. I know that's a complicated answer to a simple question, but I'm a big fan of eating to feel. And we've lost that. I mean, one of the biggest comparisons I could tell you you know, in Canada, we have Tim Hortons and you guys got Dunkin' Donuts, but they got those little donut holes, right? Right. Right. So one donut hole is 90 to 100 calories. <laughs> People eat the whole box. <laughs> yeah. You eat a 10 pack or a 20 pack, right? So two cups of broccoli is 62 calories. Two so cups. <laughs> two cups of broccoli, <laughs> two cups. So to eat, you, in order to have one donut bite, you'd have to have three cups of broccoli. There's no chance you're eating three cups of broccoli. No way. There's no way. So that's the beautiful thing about fruits and vegetables and, and lean chicken. And because it's, you're not going to overeat that stuff by design, but you go get a bacon cheddar uncle burger at A&W and a small shake, and you just had 1200 calories <laughs> and you're not even full. Oh, I'll get a large fries too. That is, it's so dense with junk and fat and crap ingredients, and there's no nutritional value. That's where we get in trouble. Right. And yeah. That's how they lure you into, and they keep you coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, because it hits all the pleasure senses in your brain. Right. <laughs> it tastes good. Like it does. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Broccoli and donut bites are different. I like them quite differently. <laughs> in two different boxes, too. <laughs> yeah. It's about being appropriate in them, right? Yes, it is. Scott, it's been great chatting with you, learning your story a little bit, learning about your drive, your desire, your mindset. How does someone get in contact with you to maybe try that 21-day reset or even have you help them in their fitness journey? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you asking. So um, www.scottyfit.com is my website, and I'm still working on it. It's not my favorite. I, it's a WordPress site that I built. It's not beautiful, but it's a website. You can get a hold of me. But it's scottyfit.com. Awesome. And the film, the film is warriorcodefilm.com, and it's free. It's 82 minutes, family friendly. There's no swearing and all that stuff. Um, so it's a really great movie and it's free on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay. Yep. You go to warriorcodefilm.com. You can find the direct link to YouTube. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I uh, hope the audience uh, enjoyed uh, your your methods and your journey to, to mental freedom basically now and, and enjoying what you do just to do it. 100%. Thanks, Rich. No problem. Thanks for being on. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on this Fit Nation. Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. 
We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.